Well, it's lovely to see you all. Um, I hope everyone is doing well this morning. Any nods for that? Anyone doing well this morning? It's good. It's always good to start with nods because it's fairly low pressure. Hands might have to go up later, but nods are something we can all do. Um, I hope that you've all had a great Lent so far. Any nods for that? A great Lent? Anyone given anything up? You could do a hand for this. It's harder for me to spot the nods. Um, and how's that gone? Well? Uh, less committal. So, um, I mean, for the school kids and maybe more for their parents, I really hope that the holidays have, um, have begun well and that you're feeling hopeful for the rest of the holidays. Um, and I hope that the weather continues to be like this, that we get some springtime sunshine as well as the April showers. Um, I've listed a bunch of things that I hope for. I hope for lots of things. Um, and we, we think about this word hope quite a lot. Um, we talk about it a lot. People say, oh, I have no hope. Or this is the glimmer of hope at the end of a, something difficult. Um, and sometimes we talk about holding on to hope. But this morning we're going to think about a hope that's slightly different to the one that we normally mean when we talk about hope um, as ordinary people in our everyday lives. Um, we're going to read the Bible passage this morning. There's going um, there's, there's to be a bit of a challenge later on, and we're going to hopefully take a slightly kind of sideways look at a passage which should be very familiar to lots of us here today. But I wonder how weird stuff has been for you so far. This is a cross. That doesn't seem that weird in a church, and many of us have come across it before, but it is a bit weird that everyone's got one, and it's made, it's made of, of palm, so it's made from a, um, a palm leaf. But why? Why would we turn a palm leaf into a cross? It, it's a bit weird. Um, there are lots of funny things about what we do during Holy Week. Ben talked about washing feet. That seems a bit weird. That's not something we would normally do outside of our bathtubs or our homes. Um, there are lots of things that we do in church that are a bit weird, but particularly around this time of year, that are a bit funny and don't make lots of sense. Hopefully, we can start to unpack some of that this morning. Let me, um, let me read the passage that we're going to read together this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 21. So if you have a Bible with you, try and find that spot. And while you're doing that, I'll, I'll prattle on for a bit, as I always do. Um, so if you've got a phone, you can always Google it. So there's no reason not to read the passage just because you didn't bring your Bible with you. Um, as we join this story, it's part of the story of Jesus' life. And as we join it, Jesus has just finished a kind of teaching tour. Um, he's been telling everybody um, the ways that God works differently to how we expect him to work. The ways that what we've understood about God might be different to what he's really like. And the people, his friends, the people who have been traveling with him, his disciples, they're all uh, on their way to Jerusalem at this point, and they're just on the outskirts. And they're going together to um, share a meal and to share kind of a festival, a bit like, a bit like we would kind of go home for Christmas um, to share that together, something called the Passover. Now, let's read Matthew chapter 21. I'll, I'll, um, I'll begin. It starts at verse 1, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples, they went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks uh, on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, which means save, we pray, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Well, I feel like this passage is full of lots of fairly odd things. Um, We do at least get an answer for the palm crosses. So the reason that these are made out of palm leaves is uh, to help us remember the story that's in this passage. You you can see there, um, it says that the crowds spread their cloaks and others cut branches and put them on the ground. This was a sign of respect for Jesus as he um, was riding along the road. And the branches, the leaves, were most likely, or traditionally we think, from palm trees. That's why we have palm crosses. The cross bit, though, comes later. And I mean, Ben did a massive spoiler when he said we were going to join together to celebrate Jesus' resurrection because the story, if you hadn't um, worked it out yet, does involve a death and then a coming back to life. And that is why it's in the shape of a cross. But it is slightly funny that we don't always kind of talk about the why, but we do do lots of waving and and things. So let's think a little bit about the why. The title for this talk um, that we're working through for the whole of the, the, the Holy Week that's coming up, and then Easter Day, and then the week after as well, we're thinking about hope. And the title this morning is, is Hope in the King. Now, we don't get this, but when you, if you're part of this culture, read this um, narrative or were there at the time, entering into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey like this was a sign that you were a king in some ways. Sometimes we think the donkey is the most important part of this and that it's a great symbol of how Jesus wasn't like normal kings and he was pretending he wasn't really a king and he was coming in on a donkey and that was really humble. A lot of that is true, but it was a a genuine established thing for kings to enter in on donkeys. The difference was that when you entered in on a donkey as a king, you were saying, I am here to bring peace not war. I'm here to be gentle, um, if not firm, to be gentle and kind, not a tyrant. So Jesus is saying that he's a king by coming in on the donkey. But I think this passage, the donkey is a bit of a red herring for us. We get all caught up on Jesus riding in on a donkey. I think the palm leaves are a bit of a red herring for us. I think the cloaks are a bit of a red herring for us. I think really... The astounding thing about this passage is the way Jesus puts the story together and what people's response is. So uh, here comes the activity, the challenge. I, I wonder, I'm, 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 I'm relying on the smaller people in the congregation. I'm looking at my sons and wondering if they're going to notice that this is on. But that around the building should be some ingredients. I've brought a mixing bowl with me this morning and I would like to make a cake. 
I'm going to need some ingredients. There should be 12 ingredients. Now, I'm going to let you into a little secret. They're not actual ingredients. They are just pictures on paper. I thought that would be safer, um, given how dark the carpet is. Um, but I wonder if you could find for me any ingredient that might be around the building and, and bring it up, and we'll stick it in this bowl and see what we can make. So once you find one, just bring it up to the front um, and, and hand it to me. Thank you very much, Jemima. Um, thank you so much. Oh, we've got two of them. Brilliant. Fantastic. Let's pop those on there. Another one. Now, uh, I've not been counting. I think there are a few more. Excellent. Okay, another one. Oh, we need some. I think we're looking still for some eggs. I've got some eggs. I think we need a few more. Another one of those. Another one of those. Anything else? Well, keep having a look. I think, I mean, I, I might have just missed them. But I think we're still looking for some eggs. Keep looking. Um, I wonder, does, does anyone know what this is? It could be one of the kids. It could be someone from the adult contingent this morning. It does say on it what it is, so that's your hint. You can just shout it out. Baking powder. Um, this is, I never knew that this was an ingredient in cakes until I made one with, without baking powder and it didn't go so well. Um, but if I gave you some baking powder, you might get the idea, or if I asked you to go and get some baking powder, you might get the idea um, that we were gonna bake something. But you wouldn't necessarily have a clue what it was gonna be or, or what it would look like. Hopefully though, if I asked you to get it, you'd, you'd obediently run off and get some baking powder. So we'll stick that in, in the bowl. Um, and here's another one. What about, um, does anyone know what this one is? Again, it does say on it, but in slightly smaller letters. It's a white powder. It's flour. Now, oh, more eggs. Now, I think if, if I asked you to go and get some flour, you also might think we were going to do some sort of culinary task but I don't know, maybe you'd think we were doing some sort of silly activity, burying our face in flour. Or, say again? What's culinary? Culinary is, is to do with cooking, Robert. Um, so, you'd probably guess that. We'll, we'll put the flour in there. Um, you still might not guess exactly what we were going to make, or exactly what the activity was going to be. Uh, uh, once we, we got this, does anyone know what this one is? Sugar. 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 Um, once you realise we were getting some sugar, you might guess that we were going to make something sweet. Uh, and then hopefully the... Come on, everyone's going to know these. What are these? Eggs. Fantastic. Once we got the eggs and the... Butter. Well, then we'd know we were getting towards a cake, but you still wouldn't know the full picture until the final ingredient, which is... This is a hard one. Cocoa powder, there you go. Now we know it's a chocolate cake. Um, so we'd get our utensils, we'd mix it up. There'd still be some stuff to do. We'd have a bowl full of ingredients, but we wouldn't necessarily have the finished product. Now I wonder, I'll put this bowl down here. There's a spoon and there's a whisk. Pick your instrument, give it a mix. Any volunteers that want to. We'd need to mix that together. Um, I probably wouldn't do it by hand, but it's good to have helpers. Um, and then we need to do some other things. We need to put it in the oven uh, and bake it up. Now, 
you would please, given the length of the talk this morning um, and the lack of equipment here, I'm not going to bake it for you. Also, I'm not sure what baked paper would taste like. But here's one I didn't, but the nice man at Iceland prepared earlier. Um, this, what, what does that look like to you? Chocolate. A chocolate. Cake. Cake. Fantastic. Now we have a chocolate. Now, I can assure you this is delicious. Um, uh, we're not going to eat it now, but we will have chocolate cake at the end. Uh, yeah, we'll put it on here. We'll move that later. So, you wouldn't have necessarily known what we were aiming at when we began with our ingredients and you were asked to go and get them. And in the same way, when the disciples are asked to go and find a donkey, surely they were asking some questions. Surely there was a bit of head scratching going on. Why are we getting a donkey? Maybe he's just really tired, but we've been walking around for weeks. He doesn't normally ride on a donkey. What's going on? Um, but Jesus had a plan. Not only did he tell them where to go and get the donkey, but surely he'd done some prep work because the donkeys were ready there and he'd prepped someone so that um, even if they were asked questions, all they had to do was say, oh, the Lord needs it. And everything will be okay. Jesus had this master plan, not only to make sure that it all worked, but as we read later, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years previously, someone said this would be how the Messiah, which just means the anointed one, the chosen one, the person who's come to save, to fix things, would enter into Jerusalem. This is part of a massive master plan. This is the story that we see in this story. It's not just about the donkey. It's about how we got to the donkey. And then it's about people's response. As he rides in on the donkey, people are honoring him. That's why they're laying down their cloaks. That's why they're putting the leaves on the ground. They are honoring him like a king, like the king that he is. Um, he's an unlikely king, but a king nonetheless. Not only that, but Jesus came to fix stuff. That's what makes him a king that we want to hope in. Not just because he's in charge, but because he came to fix stuff. And we know that they got that because they say Hosanna. There are a few places in the Bible, I don't really understand why we do it, but a few places in the Bible where we choose not to translate words into English, which makes it really confusing and hard to understand because the rest of it's translated. Um, Christians love to say things like Hosanna and Hallelujah, and they've kind of become like English words, but most people haven't got a clue what they mean. Hallelujah literally just means praise the Lord, praise God. Hosanna means save we pray it means I beg you save me and so I think I mean this is my note to the Bible translators it would be a more powerful passage if it read save us we pray to the son of David rather than Hosanna to the son of David but that's what it means that's what the people there would have heard they clearly realize that this isn't just a king but this is someone who's come to save them. In calling him the son of David, they're recognizing that he is God's chosen one and that he comes in the name of God. Who is this? The whole city asks. And the people say, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus is king and he came to fix us. 
uh, to fix stuff, sorry. But as we've heard about his plan, Jesus is a sure thing. There's nothing uh, about this that's a mistake or a happy coincidence. Everything has been planned to the finest detail. I talked about hope at the beginning, and when we think of hope, normally to us, that means a desire or a wish. We talk about hoping for things at Christmas. We talk about hoping that someone will feel better. Or maybe in my case, we talk about hoping that the Scotland rugby team will finally have some consistent form. We talk about things that we hope for, but we don't really trust or believe that they will definitely happen. These are wishes. In Bible terms, hope is a sure thing. By definition, they're not things that we're keen will happen but not sure and so we're just going to see what happens. They're things that we are confident will happen. Biblical hope is more than a wish, it's an expectation. It's not just desirable, it is dependable. In a, a film I like called The Guardian, which is about uh, the Coast Guard and rescue swimmers, that's entirely irrelevant. There's a line where they've got a challenge and um, their trainer has got them in the swimming pool, treading water for hours on end, and he says, hope don't float. He's saying you're going to need to do more than just hope to be able to pass this challenge. When we say, I hope so, it's kind of the same as saying, good luck, most of the time. But for us as Christians, you don't make your own luck and you don't need to guarantee your own hope. Hope is more than just luck. Hope is something that somebody else guarantees. Biblical hope is guaranteed by God. The guarantor is God. The guarantee is Jesus. And the evidence of it is the Holy Spirit. The embodiment of hope for us is the Holy Spirit that we carry around in our souls all the time. Jesus is the king. Jesus came to fix stuff. And just as our hope is a sure thing, as Christians, Jesus is a sure thing. He knew what he was doing. And he could have done it all himself. But the final thing to realize from this passage is that he didn't. He chooses to empower his disciples, his friends, to participate with him in his plan. Even when, from our perspective, the piece of the jigsaw makes no sense, Jesus is in control, but he gives us the privilege of joining in. Jesus is the king, even though he's not what we'd expect. We can all think of bad things and sad things about our lives, about ourselves, about the world, but Jesus has come to fix that stuff for everyone. And that is something that should give us hope. And when we hope, our hope is a sure thing. Ultimately, Jesus is a sure thing. So in this Bible, the donkey is a red herring. The way he gets it is the story. And the way people react is the story. How do you react this morning? Both when Jesus asks you to get a donkey, how do you react? 
when you see him riding in as a, a gentle king, how do you react? And when you're wondering about whether this is all true, and perhaps if you believe it is already, you're wondering about what God is asking you to do. How sure is your hope that Jesus is a sure thing? Jesus is the king that we can hope in. And with that, we're going to break into the rest of the service and get to think more about um, communion and the story of Easter. One of the beautiful things about communion is that we do it, we do it every week and that it is the biggest spoiler to the Easter story that could be. We get to live it and see it every time we celebrate it together. So let me hand over to Ben.